Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. Once you find out you're not alone, the shame goes away. And it's also like, why am I ashamed of something that is I've got no control over? Shelley Horton is the personification of confidence. She's a journalist, TV presenter, MC, and runs her own company, Shellshocked Media, where she teaches media and presentation training. She runs the Confidence Course, where she helps people find their inner Beyonce. Yeah, baby. For nearly six years, Shelley has appeared weekly on Channel 9's Today, Today Extra, and Weekend Today, delivering opinion segments, so I'm sure you know who exactly this beautiful woman is. She's the lifestyle presenter for Nine Honey, the host of Nine Honey's Talking Honey, He Said, She Said, and Married at First Sight spin-off show Talking Married. She prides herself on tackling taboo topics, my kind of girl, that's why we get on so well, and she and Dr. Ginny Mansberg host an audible original podcast, Things You Can't Talk About on TV, which went global. She's an ambassador for the National Breast Cancer Foundation, Too Good and Pink Hope. Her 26-year career highlights include 11 years reporting for the ABC, 8 years as a presenter on Channel 7, 6 years as a journalist at Fairfax, and 5 years as the South Pacific correspondent for Entertainment Tonight USA. She is one busy woman and forever the life of the party when I get to see her in person. It's such a delight to have you here on the podcast, Shelley. Thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome. I am so excited to be here. Yay, you and I have such fun together. This is going to be awesome. So darling, if there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I think it would be that secret women's business should not be secret anymore. I am so tired of women's health issues being taboo or icky or uncomfortable when they actually affect 50% of the population. I love that. Woohoo! What a good topic to get meaty on. Yeah, that's great. So why do we have them as secrets, do you think? Is it because we're ashamed to talk about the stuff that our bodies go through? Is that kind of part of the problem? I think it starts as, you know, as soon as girls get a period, it's considered embarrassing and icky and uh, something that you could boys can tease you about or you want it to be super private so you make sure you have tampons in you know at school and stuff like that and I'm just like I was terrified when I got my period I got my period very early I was just 12 and I thought I was dying like I just didn't know because my family had not discussed it not many of the girls at school had had their period 
And unfortunately, my periods, now we know, were horrifically Armageddon kind of heavy. And I would often bleed for three weeks and have one week off. Wow. And then bleed for three weeks. So it was actually so debilitating for me that I was put on the pill at 13, even though I wasn't sexually active until I was nearly 18, just to control it. Now, we know now it was polycystic ovary syndrome. But back then, particularly because I grew up in King Roy and country Queensland, uh, there were no gynos handy. So we ended up, you know, I had to go to Brisbane, had to have a day off school, go to Brisbane to see a gynecologist. And particularly when you grow up in a small town, everyone was like, you know, oh my God, what's wrong with her? And it was just this incredible shame. And, and I was iron deficient. I Like it was awful. I had horrible, horrible experiences with my period. And I just felt like no one else spoke about it. I have this very distinct memory, which is like horrific in my mind. We went on a family holiday and we don't have much money with, you know, growing up. We we were very, very, you know, average. Mom and dad are both teachers. So they had saved up for us to go on holidays to the Gold Coast. And we were staying in an apartment. It was kind of like a penthouse because there were like five rooms, but we were with two other families from Kingaroy. So we'd all, you know, put the money together. And one night I bled so badly, it went through my pajamas, through the sheets and into the mattress. And I was crying and no one really comforted me. They were just like, oh, we're going to lose the bond. Freaking out about the mattress. We're going to lose the bond. So it was like, you've got to go and get, you know, some cleaning products and they were like they were scrubbing that down and meanwhile I'm like hemorrhaging (laughs) and just stuff like that I'm just like that's not normal and that's not okay and I think then even just putting me on the pill to stop it that's just a massive band-aid rather than actually dealing with the problem and now yeah it's polycystic ovary syndrome and I've had it from birth basically and it has caused me so many problems and I've had I think four operations for for it I've had one cyst that was the size of a grapefruit at one stage I had 23 cysts on one ovary and 16 on the other like it's just been a nightmare and I just feel like no one talks about it But once you do start talking about it, then other people talk to you and go, oh, yes, I had something similar. Or once you find out you're not alone, the shame goes away. And it's also like, why am I ashamed of something that is I've got no control over? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because some societies actually really celebrate. It's like a woman coming um, to age, right? And about procreation and... You know, we we definitely in Western society, you know, the shame around, you know, that time of our lives is horrendous. And you're very, you know, it's a really influential time when you're in your teens, right? All the stuff that's going on. But just, um, I just want to ask before we jump a little bit from that, for someone hearing this and going, yeah, I've had the same symptoms or what did you do? Like, who did you see to find out finally after sort of band-aiding that for ages? It was when I had one of my first surgeries, probably, that I had to see a gynecologist who was just like, hey, this is not normal. We need to try and, you know, control it. And it turns out being on the pill is one of the worst things for you if you have 
PCOS. Oh, seriously? Um, and so I had wow. to do – and, and it Sorry, causes that, that's the acronym, is it? PCOS. PCOS, Because I've seen yeah. that before. Polycystic okay. yeah. ovary syndrome. I would have small cysts burst all the time. But, you know, again, what you get used to, I was like, oh, God, I, f- I can feel one's burst. Do I need to go to hospital? Mm, I reckon I can ride it what out. What do you mean you can feel that? So you can just feel it inside you, like that, the pain or – Every time I would step on my right foot, I'd get a shooting pain into my ovary. So that would happen and I'd be, oh, this is not good. And then that pain then just goes like hot heat into your into your whole tummy area. And then, of course, what happens is you get violent diarrhea and vomiting because it's toxins that are going into your body. So I ended up live tweeting one of my um, sister bursts and because I was – at a, and again, I was at a friend's house in Byron, but I didn't wake her up because I'm kind of like, you know, this is just what I do. This is, But by tweeting it, I got so much support and so much love from these incredible strangers who were just like, Are you, make sure you're keeping your water up. Are you sure you shouldn't go to hospital? You know, all, all of this stuff from strangers which was incredible. I love that. The queen of media. Of course I know, tweet right? That. Live <laughs> tweeting. My sister exploding. And then I ended up calling that little gang, I said, my soul sisters, but it was C-Y-S-T. <laughs> so basically now I manage it with medication. And of course, you know, what's one of the other side effects is weight gain around the middle. You know, that real apple shape. And like PCOS also leads to diabetes and it's just like it's 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 a complicated thing keeps on giving yeah thanks for that thanks (laughs) and I'm like I didn't even want kids I don't want these freaking ovaries like get just take the whole box out I'm done so can they do that can they yeah so I well I know with with your situation you'll know all about it but the reason I didn't do it is was my fear of going into surgical menopause when I was only 30 but also they wouldn't let me have a hysterectomy and take the ovaries out because they're like, what if you want to have children? And I've never wanted to have children. And I was... That's a whole other thing that we can talk about. That's a whole other story. But they they refused. You you can't make a decision on your own body, right? Yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) It's nuts. So luckily now I'm perimenopausal <laughs> so my ovaries okay, so there are just we like go. Next, shooting next topic. dust yeah. basically <laughs> they've gone from cyst filled you know juicy grapes to just shriveled raisins but that's another thing and this is why I really want to talk about is perimenopause because again I didn't know that it could affect someone my age I'm 47 and so for me, I was getting the hot flushes. And then what was weird is I've had an IUD for, hmm, I'm up to nearly 15 years. So I've had three lots of, of the marina inside me, which praise the Lord is the best thing for me because it stops bleeding completely in my case, not in all cases. Um, so from Armageddon periods to no periods for 15 years, amazing. And then it was last year COVID so I kind of put everything into oh I'm just stressed about COVID I'm stressed about my business and then all of a sudden I got my period again even though I have the IUD and it was another you know fairly heavy seven days you know boom and then the next month seven days boom and I'm like this is weird 
And my doctor said, oh, we might have to do some hormone tests. I'm like, yep, no problem. And then November, I bled for 32 days straight. Oh, dear God. 32 days. Having not had anything like that for like, wow, 18 years. (laughs) So it doesn't even, it doesn't even, I can't even imagine that. So that happened and that's when I was like, oh, we, I need to get this sorted. Then, so I had to see a gynecologist and also then found out I had HPV had come back, you know, the um, human papillomavirus, which again, no one talks about, even though apparently 80% of the population has it. And I, again, there's a lot of shame with that because it's sexually transmitted and Apparently, perimenopause is the perfect uh, bubble, bubble, toil and, tr- toil and trouble. All of the hormone spikes and the temperature spikes, everything reignites HPV, which never actually leaves your body. So I had an abnormal pap smear. And so I had to go and have a colposcopy where they, you know, take a, a cone of tissue and the gynecologist wanted to actually get into my cervix. What is it? No. No, my uterus, right? Cervix is here, uterus is on top. But because haven't had any kids, uh, it was so clamped shut <laughs> that she couldn't even get into it. And I'm like, that is close for business. I reckon that has been clamped shut since I was about, you know, 12. Don't worry about it. And she said, the only thing is if you have any cancerous cells there, I need to know about it. So I will do what I can to scrape near there. And then if I'm not happy with it, then we're going to have to give you a general anesthetic so that we can crack your bloody uterus open. I'm like, oh my God. Luckily, the cells came back and it it was not much of a worry. I just now have to have pap smears every year, not wait the five years like other people can. If you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. But again, it's just good talking about that stuff, Shell. Like, oh, if, you it's know, because mates that will go through stuff and they just you know they kind of suffer in silence and this is the this is your point right we need to be talking about these issues and so the other questions i had for you was around the perimenopause because it is an interesting topic is what other symptoms you've had because the hot flushes is quite a common one but people talk often about the um, brain fog which is really interesting or forgetting like just you know you and i've known each other for a long time i'll go to introduce you to someone and i cannot for the life of me remember your name and i'm like you know that i know your name yeah, I, know. I know that i know your name but i'm like what what on earth is going on and that happens often yeah so here's the thing um i haven't really had back brain fog and th- frog fog and this is the weird thing about so you say <laughs> yeah hang on a minute but this is the weird thing about perimenopause is there's so many different sy- symptoms and every woman has a, their own little, you know, secret source with it. But what hit me was depression and anxiety. Now, I've never really had mental health issues in my life. I've had stress-induced mental health issues. Like when I got divorced the first time, it was awful. But to me, that's like, there's a fairly good reason for that. What happens with perimenopause is for no reason I was just crying. And I'm not 
a very teary person. Like, sure, if it's a Qantas commercial, I do cry. (laughs) If it's about my puppies, yeah, I'll cry. But I'm not teary unnecessarily. And I was just starting to cry and big, like proper sobbing kind of crying. And my husband would just be like, what's wrong? What's happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I've got no idea. And again, I thought it was COVID. I thought that it was, I was stressed about being at home and the business. And so every single symptom, nothing made me say I've got perimenopause. Everything made me say it's been a really tough year for everyone. So I just didn't. And and I also tend to have girlfriends who are much younger than me. Most of my friends are like 10 years younger than me, which I think is because I've moved around a lot. And so it's not like I don't have my high school friends who are still in the same area as me. And so it was only finally when the depression kind of hit and I um, lost my desire to work. And if anyone knows me, my work ethic is my favorite strong suit. I am such a driven person and I had a couple of times where I just didn't want to get out of bed and my husband was just like hey this is not you and this is not your fault this is something to do with your brain how about we go and speak to someone and he came with me to the appointments Mm, which was amazing Mm. And I know not everyone has that kind of support, but it was just what but I needed. But good also to have someone to recognise that, right? To point out to you, as you say, because you kept making excuses, which I completely can relate to, especially given you know what everyone's been going through for the last eighteen months. But for him to say, "Hey, no, 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 this is not you. This like is we need not to, you. yeah." And even like help, I, and so. also I'm good at faking it when I need to. So like I could go into Channel Nine do my segment on Today Extra, which is, you know, 20 minutes, I could razzle-dazzle, do it, and then on the car, in the car on the way home go, well, that was a waste of time. Why the fuck did I do that? So I basically embarrassed myself. Like, my brain was just awful to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, my TV work gives me so much joy and it's like the thing that lights me up. And it wasn't even touching the sides, you know, like, and so the hormones are just out of control. So apparently one in three women who go into perimenopause actually get anxiety and depression. So one in three is substantial. And the other thing I think around the anxiety element, so you've touched on the depression, but I've got mates that have had, you know, being that anxious element and didn't realize at the time, but they were just so overwhelmed by stuff that would never normally affect them at all. And just, you know, like I'd be with them and I'm thinking, wow, that's just really strange behavior, you know, like driving, like driving, like instantly, like they were 90. And I'm like, wow, they're like super nervous drivers and just, you know, crazy stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's just weird. Like what's going on and not recognizing it as well myself that that's happening to them and they haven't recognized it. I get that horrible tightness in your chest where I thought at one stage I was having a heart attack because my chest was so tight and it was kind of shallow breathing. And I wear a smartwatch and it was just like, you need to relax. You need to relax. I'm like, I fucking know. Like, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Talking more about the anxiety element, what did you find in terms of, you know, that were helpful to you and for people giving some advice, like how do people tackle this? So I was surprised because I never judge anyone who has to look after their mental health, but I judged myself. 
And so when my doctor said, I think you need an antidepressant, I couldn't stop crying because I was just like, you've let yourself down. Like it was this horrible inner talk again. And people try a certain antidepressant and it may not work, but then you have to go off it slowly and then try a new one. And so the first one didn't do anything for me and I was still crying every day. And then the second one, my life came back and I couldn't believe it. And how instant was that? Was it pretty quick? I said it was like a couple of days. It felt like that to me. My doctor, Dr. Ginny, has said to me, maybe I was getting a little effect from the first one and then it just built into this one. But basically, since I've started Lexapro, which is my drug of choice, I'm back. I'm back and I'm me. And I now can't even recognise the Shelley who was crying. Like, I don't even know who that was. And it made me realise it was a chemical imbalance in my brain. And it had nothing to, to do with choice. It was triggered by my hormones. Like, so there should be no shame about it at all. What I've done with that is I've actually been putting it on my social media and I have had the most incredible response. And I find with my social media, it's whenever I talk about embarrassing topics or um, things that you would consider taboo, like last year I had a colonoscopy and I had seven big polyps and the you know surgeon said to me, congratulations, you just avoided bowel cancer. So I put that on social media and I had this incredible response and thousands of people and then I even had three people DM me and say it's because of you I went and got checked and they found that we I do actually have cancer but we got it early and I'm going to be okay that's the power of talking about it yeah it's very true Uh, on that topic it's beautiful show like such an amazing thing and what's another taboo woman's topic that you think we should talk more about Well, I always just use myself as an example and I've started having a little bit of a light bladder leakage and I thought that only women who push babies out their vagina would have bladder leaks. I was so wrong. So I'm 47 and I've actually just started working with Always Discreet, which do the liners and things for bladder leakage. And they and I are working with Share the Dignity. And Share the Dignity is for... Just, again, stopping the taboos around periods, but then they realised bladder leakage is such an issue for, for women. Now, for me, it happened last night. This is exactly what happened. My dog's been scratching at the wall, so we bought some little booties to try and get him to stop scratching. And so I filmed him first time he had the booties on and he was walking like a praying mantis, like it was hilarious. So I laughed and I laughed so much, we came out, right? And it was probably only a teaspoon, but I had to go and change my pyjama pants and my undies. And I'm just like, if that's happening to me, well, it's happening to you know a third of, a third of women my age and older, But the thing that really upset me when I started working with Always Discreet is they did some research and showed that the highest rate of homelessness is women over 50. And one of their biggest issues is not having access to bladder leak protection. So they've got things like they're either going without food to pay for them or they're doing things like using tea towels or socks. And so... Share the Dignity and Always Discreet have got a campaign at the moment. You can donate products or you can buy Always Discreet and Always Discreet will actually um, donate money to Share the Dignity because 
it's fine for me living in my house. I, I laugh so much or sometimes I do a spectacular fart and a bit of wind <laughs> comes out. I love your honesty. Yeah. I can just go and get changed. But a woman who's living in her car or who is homeless, she can't. So I love jumping on board with topics like this because I know that I'm willing to talk about it on my social media and I really don't know many other people who are on TV who would admit to uh, doing a fart so big Indeed that we came out. So do you know from a medical aspect, are there exercises you can do or, you know, do you need to have an operation? Like how do you stop that or prevent it or is it, you know, can you not? It's different for everyone. So there's some people, yeah, doing the Kegels and things like that. It's And for people that don't know what a Kegel is, what's a Kegel? It's just when you sort of tighten your muscles. And another really good thing to do is if you're in the middle of a big wee, just make yourself stop and then wee again. Making sure that you are uh, exercising. Being overweight makes it harder. And then it is just age. So it is something that's, you know, again, it's so taboo to talk about and... And again, I love talking about it because it's affecting me and I had no idea it would affect me. I thought, I'm tight like a tiger, so I'll be fine. (laughs) But in fact... Thanks for sharing that as well. (laughs) (laughs) This is how I share. Yeah, love it. Love it. Okay, that's a good one for us to to remember. Thank you for um, that element as well. So you have a um, Audible series, yes. which is um, a podcast series that talks about it's the things that you can't talk about on TV, which I love your series. I want to know what are, like, what are some of the most favorite things or the most like the weirdest things that have come up? Because people, you both come up with topics as well as people pitch topics in, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's Dr. Jenny Mansberg and me, and we came up with this idea Oh, at least five years ago. And we were like, we want to make these taboo topics more accessible. So we created a video series first and my husband filmed it and we tried our hardest and we ended up doing like 58 episodes and we thought we'd get picked up, you know, and sponsors and yeah, that didn't really happen. Uh, apparently everyone's a little bit nervous talking about periods and things. So then luckily our agent pitched it to Audible and they're like, can you turn it into a podcast? Because that's perfect so our rule was if it's a topic that Koshi would talk about on sunrise it can't be in our podcast like it has to be what you can't talk about on tv so we do everything women's health and men's health um we've had some fantastic stories about thrush and things like that we've talked about you know can you change the taste of semen we've talked about dick cheese we've talked about fanny farts absolutely and i love it and i am always putting in my own examples but my absolute favorite was actually in the most recent series so season two on audible we got a bum doctor in and I got to ask the question that I've wanted to ask in my entire life. And I said to him, what's the weirdest thing you found up someone's bum that they've put in voluntarily, you know? And he was like, interesting. It was a toilet brush. I'm like, oh, that's not that interesting. He said, no, spiky end first. Spiky end first. So what happened though is this guy was too embarrassed to go to the hospital with a toilet brush stuck up his ass. So he ended up sawing off the actual handle, leaving it in there thinking he would just pull it out. In fact, he had 
pierced his bowel and nearly died. Oh, my God. So it was so serious. But I'm just like, I love that I get to ask these questions. And Ginny and I also do a live version. So we did one for Flight Centre and it was they, they have Women Wise. And so we throw it open to the audience and say, ask us anything. Ginny's like the rain man of women's health. And this woman said, when you go to a public toilet and you do a big poo and the water splashes back up and hits you on the vagina, can you get any diseases from that? And we're like... And Ginny actually said, I have never heard that question before in my life. And I'm a GP. I've heard everything. She's like, the short answer is no. But she asked that in the audience in front of everyone. In front of everyone. Wow. The thing is, it was only women. And then it was things like, so asking for a friend, but how long can semen live inside your vagina and you can still get pregnant? Like, so much fun. And then because... Everyone was being so open. We just got the best questions. And I just felt like so happy because it could have just been deathly silent. But no, women are awesome. And women love to just like throw things out there. And even like I always start it with, tell me how much blood do you, an average woman lose in a period? Do you know, Michelle? I would have no idea. Uh, Way back Two when? litres? That's what I would have thought. Two litres? It's 60 mils. Two shot glasses. Oh, right. <laughs> right? We think it's so bad. We think it's like torrential. It's so interesting. But why don't we know that? Because it's important to know that to know if something's wrong. You know, like, oh, fascinating stuff. If it is two litres, clearly that's Cle- like well, you. Yeah, that's Ginny said normal. if it was two litres, you need to go to emergency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Hey, so what was the answer, though, to the woman with the splash up? No, like, it's fine. nothing. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. No drama. Yeah, okay. and also, you know, you can't get a sexually transmitted disease from a public toilet because it's not sexually transmitted. Like, all of that sort of stuff. And she's like, oh. She's like, it just sounds gross, but no, you're fine. <laughs> That's fantastic. I was on Channel 9 the other day and we were talking about whether or not you sleep with your undies on. I always sleep with my undies on. And on national TV, I said, he was like, why? And I said, because I'm kind of like a self-sourcing pudding. <laughs> and were they shocked? Did they, did they, they were very edit, shocked. Edit that out? Nah. No, it's live. Oh, that's it's live, man. I've never heard that term. Self-sourcing, self-sourcing pudding. pudding. What a beautiful way to bring this to an end. <laughs> Shelly, the self-sourcing pudding. That's me. Thank you so much yeah. for your... Uh, <laughs> I want that on my business card. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So, but seriously, though, I I can't agree with you more and hence why, you know, kind of created this podcast, not to just talk about fanny farts fanny and farts. Um, so, so, all these things. But, you know, I mean, your attitude to the awkward and, you know, helping others and those things that, you know, as you say, quite seriously, you've helped people, you know, save lives, which is really, really beautiful. And it's so important. So we need to talk about this stuff more. Thank you so much. And we sure do. And don't be embarrassed because I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just DM you. Anything you've got weird, just DM Shell. She'll find out for you. So uh, just divine. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And uh, can't wait to see you up in Queensland soon. Yeah, we can get in there. Relocating. Thanks, sweetheart. See you later. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, 
follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.